Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ole Spies podcast on the Fan First Sports Network. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 145. And to throw it back to the number game, 145, the amount of minutes this past week that Juventus had no intention of playing football. Did I get that about right? It seems like you <laughs> <laughs> say that in jest. Partially. So if you want to to listen to this episode as well as previous ones, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a nice rating and a review because it helps get us more out there and more eyeballs on what we're trying to do here. So let me bring in after a few weeks, Samuel Presley. Hello, Samuel. I'm back, boys. Yes, he is, and he's wearing stripes just to prove that it's actually him. Yeah, it's the Krasitz jersey that I always talk about. Tall's Krasitz jersey. (laughs) Juventus posted a video involving Milos. I think one of their goals of the day this past week involved a a game that Milos was in. So, was it the one where he like kind of like stuffed the ball in at the last second against Lazio? I don't think he was really involved. I think it might have been one where he just showed up in the background in the goal celebration. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. We got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, good evening, guys. Yeah, just as a uh, warning, if I mysteriously disappear, it is likely because of a uh, power outage. Yeah. It is, I don't know, bizarre weather out here. So, yeah, if, if I disappear, it is an act of God that, as I joked earlier, I hope my insurance covers it. So. That's right. <laughs> By the way, Chucks, do we have any worries that another soccer team has stolen your heart, knowing that you and your uh, better half went to the uh, Columbus Crew game last night for the first time? Yes, yes, yes. She uh, she does a much better job of uh, keeping <laughs> the social media updated. I uh, I don't know how I would forget it even exists if, if it weren't for her. Yeah, I saw the uh, the once the great, the one and only Josie Altador yesterday. Actually, wow. Um, I know it's. Uh, I was amazed. I I know it's my wife. I'm like, I mean, that's Josie Altador playing for the uh, New England Revolution. That was yeah, man. That was a throwback. I just I was amazed. I'm like, man, he's still he's still playing so you know he came on as a sub in like i don't know was a minute 70 ish or something like that second half ish somewhere he came on and i mean i don't know he still looks the same to me so yeah the once <laughs> mighty josie altador right? it, that was a throwback and a half well here's the transition chuck since you like you like transitions from me so much uh somebody who's probably thrown a cuss word or two towards jose altador over the years Knowing what yeah. country he's from, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy, happy to be here as always, especially now that, you know, we're, we have a full crew back again. And actually, no, Josie Altidore played one half a season with Puebla like a year ago. Oh, wow. It was awesome. Yeah, he right. scored two goals, was the sub pretty much all the time for reasons that remain unknown because the team had no strikers. I was actually like really happy and excited about him coming to the team. And like when he played, he was really good. But for whatever reason, the coach at the time didn't really like him and he didn't play him almost nothing, uh, w- which was unfortunate because he seems like, you know, he seems like a fun guy. Like he he was a meme here in Mexico, which was fun. They 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 caught him drinking a, a relatively popular brand of like electrolytes. Uh, and it was the coconut flavor, which I agree 100%. It tastes terrible and he made a grim and then he made like a face when he tried it and he became a meme here like for a guy that played two games that scored two goals and played like five games in half a season 
like a lot of people have very fond memories of the guy playing in in Mexico. So so I do too. That th those memories have overridden whatever whatever bad memories that he could have had as a as a member of the United States men's national team. Well, there you go. There's I forgot that he uh he had played for Puebla and I remember He us also actually... did a lot of, also when he was with the USMNT, he he did a lot of losing against Mexico, didn't he during that period? Yeah, I don't remember him like as a as a Mexico killer. That that's true too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, forgive me, Jose Altador, for assuming that you are in Sergio Romero's bad graces. So Samuel, since you haven't been here for a few weeks, your takeaway, you can lead us off uh this week. My takeaway is I never want to see Leandro Paredes play in a Juventus shirt again. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and I wrote this in my recap because it's it's interesting. If you go onto one of the stats sites and you just look at his stats in this game. Yeah. You would think he didn't have a bad game. I said the exact same thing in my post. After you you did, except he had a really bad game. He had two key passes. They were both corner kicks. Chucks is making a disagreement face for the record. Yeah, yes, he is. And I, uh, I know we've already had this disagreement. He, 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 had, <laughs> he, he had two key passes. They were both corner kicks. He completed 91% of his passes. Almost all of them were in the middle, were in the back two thirds of the field. Whenever he tried to, to make a pass that was anything like incisive, he was blowing it past guys. They were goal kicks. They were getting easily cleared. The minutes that he is playing are far better used right now, letting a player like Enzo Baranakea develop than just watching him not be good in order to, to kick him back to PSG at the end of the year. There's no point. If he was if he was playing okay, fine. But he's not playing okay. He's playing like a schnutz. So like uh, that that's a probably not a word. But I just came up with it right now. I would have figured it's Yiddish or something. Honestly, it's yeah. It sounds like Yiddish. It's probably not. Then again, from what I know about Yiddish, anything can be turned into Yiddish if you do it exactly. You know the way. But he, he's it, it. It is. He had such a bad game today. He infuriated me when he came off the field. I was really happy. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't want to see him again. All right, Chucks. Up next, you have a rebuttal. Yeah, I mean, my takeaway is different, but I suppose I'll respond to that first and then give <laughs> um, my takeaway. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I mean, the stats wise, yeah, I mean, the stats are the stats. But I guess, uh, I mean, I'll respond with more of a question in the sense that I mean, what is the expectation really of Paredes in terms of performances, in, in terms of style of play, I guess? Like, I mean, is he supposed to be like, you know, a beer low spraying balls around and like creating from deep? Or is he supposed to be a defensive midfielder, just letting everybody else kind of like, like cleaning up the mess and letting, letting the other two, so Rabio and Fajoli in this case, run the midfield and run it in the offensive sense? I guess that, that it's easier for me to evaluate his performances relative if you kind of know relative to what, like, is, yeah, if it's relative to just him being a defensive midfielder or more of a, is the expectation he that he's a creative midfielder? But he doesn't do either of those things. <laughs> well, I mean, just talking of today, I mean, if he was just a defensive midfielder, talking of today, I mean, I think he was disaster in, in terms of defensive. Again, I mean, you look at the stats, I mean, he had like, okay, he didn't make many tackles, but like, you know, he had a, what was it, a successful, gosh, let me actually look at the stats real quick. Well, I'll, I'll just say that as you're looking, Chucks, isn't the role he's supposed to be playing? And obviously, we don't want to turn this takeaway section into uh, Leandro Paletti's breakdown 101. But isn't that job that uh, that is the position that he's playing? Isn't the job of it to really kind of do both? 
yeah. I mean, be, I guess be, I be basically yeah. the, uh, a line in front of the defense as well as the person who sprays balls around. And I mean, hell, we we saw against Osuolo a whole lot of balls being sprayed around, not necessarily to their intended targets, but we saw them being sprayed around. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I think there to me there are two types of defensive midfielders. There's one that just really just breaks up the play, and then, like I said, lets the other two or whatever the other center, the other one or two center central midfielders kind of run the show offensively. And then there are the I guess modern days central defensive midfielders that yeah are, are more playmakers from from deep and after the defend as well. I don't really know what the expectation for me. I guess the expectation is of him is more that he's just, I guess, a defensive midfielder. And then if he if he can create a little bit, great. But I mean, I kind of expect him mostly to just shield the yeah shield the defense. And then did he do that great today? I, mean, I don't know adequately. I thought, but I, I mean, I don't think he's like a world beater. Of course not. I don't really want him to stay either <laughs> beyond this season. That said, I don't want to you know turn the rest of the season into a bash this show so yeah i mean i'm just uh, i mean ambivalent about him really uh again today i think was definitely not the most disastrous of his performances he's had definitely had like just terrible terrible performances but i think today uh, he was the least of my worries today let's just say it like that Oh, and my takeaway, right? Yes, your uh, takeaway. Yes. The original point of this whole... This whole yeah, yeah. And we can talk about it more, I mean, later, of course. Do we have to? Uh, if you want. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> if, we want. if it's interesting, if, it's the, if the audience wants it. But yeah, no, my, my takeaway was uh, actually also from Sam. You mentioned, I think you mentioned this in the Slack channel once. I think it was during the sporting game. And I started kind of looking more into it. And I noticed that, indeed, Danilo is kind of a... Uh, secret central midfielder kind of uh kind of popping up around the central midfield i'm um, against sporting so i looked on the heat map and i trust the old heat maps and against sporting he wasn't he still was mostly in a central back a center back position kind of left center back position but against Asuolo, you really i mean i know you just know the clear difference if you look at kind of the hottest sections on the heat map of his just his um positions and yeah, I mean, you really do see that against Sassuolo today. He played, I mean, kind of a pseudo left central midfield, almost kind of left mid kind of position. It was, uh, yeah, very unusual. I, I don't really know why. I don't really know if that's a one-off or if that's going to be a, uh, like, I don't know, secret weapon of Max. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on that in a, for the rest of the season. Excellent. Uh, Sergio, you're up. What you got? Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway of, of this week was uh, that the schedule crunch is, is on, is very much on. And it's something that we've been talking about since April started, that this was going to be super, super packed, that it almost resembles like a, like an NBA schedule, almost, with, with how, how often these guys are playing. And I think this match day was finally when you saw that really, really take a toll, not just for Juventus, who I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit, uh, later, they, they lose against Sassuolo on Sunday, but Inter loses against Monza. Napoli draws Hellas Verona, which is literally one of the worst teams in the league. And Milan ties uh, Bologna, he draws Bologna as well. So it, that's literally every team uh, that's still playing in Europe, that's still, you know, in this crunch of, of matches, 
you know, just having a, a terrible result on the weekend. And, you know, Fiorentina, I think, is the other one that's still playing in Europe in the Conference League. They play tomorrow against Atalanta. So we'll see if if the trends continues. Other than Roma, who actually won against Udinese, every other team dropped points. And, and that's, you know, you look at the lineups, just heavy, heavy rotation from pretty much everyone. And when you look at the schedule, it, you know, you realize, like, yeah, these dudes are playing, like, every three games. Obviously, you know, this... You know, in, in the NBA, they, they have this turn that's like a schedule loss. I think this, to me, this week, it's like a lot of schedule losses or draws or, or games where you really start to see how the crunch is starting to, to get to these guys because, you know, you saw a lot, a lot of dead, dead legs and tired legs out there today. And it's it's normal. I mean, they're playing every three days. Like, it, it was bound to happen. And I think this was the week when when we really, really saw it for the first time, I thought. Yeah, and uh, as as previous episodes lately have gone, we'll basically break things up and go uh, midweek fixture before the the league fixture. And obviously, the midweek fixture had a little more positive things to talk about, although not much. But uh, it actually involved Juventus winning, so that's that's the good part and the the biggest thing to take out of it. And uh, obviously, we talked last week about the difficulties that Sporting would would give Juventus, and I think for a large part those. Those held true. I don't think we could have even forecasted a late first half goalkeeper change and then the goalkeeper that came in needing a double save in the 90th minute to keep the shutout and win alive. But that happened, as did uh, maybe one of the more unlikelier goal scorers when Federico Gatti getting the game winner. So I will I will throw it right back to Sergio since he... We had plenty, plenty of talk about sporting last week. Uh, your thoughts on the the first leg against sporting, and uh, obviously a, a very interesting second leg, a lot like the uh, second leg against Freiburg coming up here on uh, on Thursday. Yeah, it, it was. I think results wise, I think it was as good as as we could have hoped. You know, to get that win, to get that advantage, something that Juventus hadn't really been able to do. Uh, in the previous ones, you know, drawing both Nantes and Freiburg in the in the previous round. So it was good to get that, you know, initial win out of the way. And now all we need is Sporting to get themselves red carded within the first 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> and and we're cooking, you know, we're cooking with fire. But, you know, no, to, to be realistic, obviously, I think, you know, the the performance wasn't great for 90 minutes. There were stretchers. There were good moments, like pretty much every single game Juventus plays. You know, you, they can never get put on the full consistent 90 minutes. But overall, I thought it was pretty much what we expected. You know, Sporting is a good team that we're going to have a few chances. And, you know, I think it helps to have two really good solid keepers when 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 it matters, right? When you need it. You have a guy like Mattia Perin who can step up. And I wrote about it in the graph back, but to me, the most impressive thing about the, the Perin South appearance was just that that calmness, that, that just character that personality of going out there and being like, I don't know if my teammate just had a heart attack on the field. Like we didn't know at the time, like he was just short of breath. They had to stop him out. It was a pretty scary scene. Obviously afterwards, it turns out it's nothing serious, but at the moment it's like, you don't know what's happening and you have to go out there and you have to perform. You know, he, he made it look easy and he came up with those huge saves and he was just a really, really good, good player on the day when they needed him most. So that's just, you know, that was just really, really impressive for me seeing seeing his performance. And other than Perrin, I think, you know, Juventus, I think, showed to us again 
that it remains a talented but flawed team. And I think we saw it again. They come out in this 3-4-3 formation, super aggressive, super offensive. You know, all the people who who criticize Allegri for playing it safe, that was everything but safe. It was a very, very aggressive formation. And it worked for a little bit. And then they realized, oh, we have a two-met midfield with Adrian Rabio, who we know for a fact cannot play in the double pivot. And they got overrun. Second half, they switch it up, bring in a new formation, get a much more steady midfield. But now you become just significantly more fragile defensively. And you saw it late in that second half, you know, that, that play that Matia Pena has to make that double save, that comes from the wing. Because when you go to that four-man back line, you become very, very fragile defensively because you have no good fullbacks. So it really is, you know, right now I think the biggest challenge for Juventus, for Max Allegri, just from a tactical standpoint is pick your poison. Like, where do I want to be weak? Like, where do I want to, honestly, like, where is the crack in the armor? Because it can either be offensively or it can either be defensively, but you can't have both. Like, the way this team is currently constructed, the way these guys are currently playing, the way their their talent level is at, their form is at, you can't have both. You can't field a team that feels complete, that does not have a very glaring weak point. And it's going to be interesting to me to see how, how you know Juventus manages that, you know, throughout the rest of the season, because we saw that against Sporting. Like that three for three sounded great. A lot of offensive players were gonna go on the on the on the for on the on the forefront, we're gonna go at, at them, but you know you very quickly get overrun because you can't feel that without giving up the midfield. So it's just gonna be interesting to see how how they keep managing it. And you know, just because of that, I'm happy with that one one nil win. I think it was good. I think it was deserved. I think you know maybe a draw would have been deserved as well because Sporting played well. But overall, I think they did enough to get that win, and hopefully they they can do enough in in Portugal because that that's going to be the real test. And before Sam says, I think I know which direction Max Allegri will go. Yeah, probably yeah. because because he is who yeah. he is. The three man back line, probably, but it is. I think it is telling of you know those are decisions that need to be made because everywhere you look, there's going to be a, a weak spot. Yeah, but I also think that it's, you know, for two games running, going to that 4-3-3 formation made the team look better and made the team look more like they're going to potentially score a goal. And I don't think that can be overlooked. I think that we really have to look at that and say, hmm, maybe this formation, which you know, oh, by the way, was the formation that this entire team was built for in the first place at the beginning of the season might actually be where we need to go with this. You know, especially when now that you have Chiesa, who, you know, I was actually pretty stunned that Chiesa played 90 minutes on Thursday. But, you know, you have Chiesa who is playing better and looked so much better when the when they went to that 4-3-3 as opposed to the 3-4-3. You know, with him and and Di Maria, who, you know, Di Maria is doing as as much as he can in that, you know, hybrid trequartista spot in a 3-5-1-1. But he's a winger. And lo and behold, you put Angel Di Maria out on the wing and he plays good because he's a winger. You know, things that Max Allegri sometimes finds difficult to grok. But I'm starting to wonder if that is where we need to go. You know, it might sacrifice some defense, sure, but 
at this point, you have to score more goals than Juventus are scoring. And, you know, if, if that 4-3-3 is, is going to give us a better opportunity at that, then I think it has to start be, being integrated into the team a lot more. Yeah, I, I do think, like, if, if I think, you know, in a vacuum, for sure, Juventus played much better in that second half when it was 4-3-3. But, you know, and I think that they should just because of, I think, if you're going to take advantage of someone, I agree, it has to be Chiesa who's back. It has to be Angel Di Maria. Like, you have to take as much advantage of those guys as you can. But I also, I, I just I just shudder to think that Alexander is going to be a left back in a big game against big-time wingers. And in the other side, a guy like Danilo, who I think he's a good fullback, but I think his career is where it's at. He's vice-captain Danilo, you know, one of the best players of the team in that three-man back line. I think if you switch him back to that right-back spot, He's good. He's serviceable. He's not, I, I don't think he's that good. I'm not 100% confident in those guys. And, you know, it's, it's a pick your poison. I'm not saying I, I have I don't to, think it would be Sandro on the left. I think it would be Danilo and Cuadrado on the right. Well, I mean, do you want Cuadrado on the right? I mean, that's the <laughs> thing. I don't think there's a guy there that, that I trust. I'd, I'd rather have Cuadrado on the right than Sandro on the left. Yeah, no, for sure. That's the thing. I, I think that that's kind of like my, my takeaway was... This team is just every single thing is a pick your poison. Like, where are you willing to be weak? And I think if they decide moving forward, you know, let's be more offensively inclined, which I don't think it will happen because Max is who he is. But if we decide moving forward, let's be more offensively inclined. You know, you're still going to suffer through that. And I, I can just, you know, I can already see myself getting angry at, you know, one of our soft par fullbacks. You know, just not being able to 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 play against top side top sides wingers and just being, you know, and just giving up goals like that. So it's it is what it is. I mean, Juventus is a flawed team, and it is what it is. It really just depends on what you value more, off- offense or defense. Obviously, I think for for this pod is probably offense for the coach, probably defense. But it's you know, it's it's not every single not. There's no formation that's a slam dunk, and I think that's an issue just overall. Yeah, that, that's the problem. There's no one distinct right answer. There might not even be a right answer. There is, like you said, Sergio, there is, you can put your, you know, your choice in pot A and there's issues. You could choose pot B and there's issues. And then if you try and maybe say, find some sort of happy ground in pot C, there might be more issues than anything. But there's nothing, there's no one distinct road in which everything will suddenly be magically solved. I, th- I think it also depends on the type of coach you have and the, the preferences that he has. So, I mean, in general, I think... Well, we know, have... we know what Max will choose then, Charles. So <laughs> yeah. going to say, like, yeah, so when you have a coward <laughs> as your coach, then, you know... <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I think in general, you have, like, two kind of sets of coaches. You have those that are, like, systems first. So, you know, they have a system that is their favorite or that they have in mind that they think is the best um, system. Um, And then they just, you know, force their players into that system, whether some of them have to play out of position or not. Um, From time to time, they just, you know, squeeze them into that um, system. And and then usually, I mean, over time, they'll try and find players in general that just fit the system. But, you know, in just over the course of a few games or over the course of a season, when you can't make transfers or anything, they'll just, you know, fit those players into the system that he chooses. 
And then you have a, you know, players first kind of approach where, yeah, yeah. I mean, a coach just looks at the players that, that he has and says, okay, based on this, this formation or this system is the best to suit the players that, that I have. In general, I, and of course, you guys are, you know, welcome to disagree. But I've found that Allegri is a systems first coach. I think he very much has a system that he likes and uh, definitely a style of play that he likes, but, you know, um, he, his system. I, I feel like he's more of a style of play rather than a system. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because his, his, his system changes year to year. You know, how many different yeah. formations has, has he run in now close to seven years cumulatively as, a Juvent- as the manager of Juventus? Yeah, although I think within one season, he'll usually stick to one, maybe two. No. I mean, this season, he's basically stuck to... Th- Three five two. He's stuck to three five two this year, but uh, well, I, well, when you said one, maybe two, that changed it a little bit. But I mean, his first four seasons, we never finished in the same formation that we started with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now he's been here so long. Now he knows. I mean, you know, and now he's done, and and he did it again this year. He built the team for a four three three, and then now we're on a three five two. It's like, and I think that's where you get into conversations about whose whose fault is this essentially like why does it always happen like that is it the coach is it the the sporting of the, the sporting boards the ones that make the signings i think it's probably 50 50 i don't think the coach makes in a vacuum all the calls but i think probably like the board also has something to do with it but considering that everyone who made those decisions board wise is gone now it's kind of like it, it's weird that this continues to happen to the team like you said maybe the team was built for a four three three and I think on paper, it makes a lot of sense. But the fullback issue was there from the beginning. So at that point, it's like, okay, who was okay with going into a season? Like, we're building this team for a 4-3-3, which midfield attack makes a lot of sense to me. But the 4-3-3 at that time was Bremer, the hope of Leo Bonucci, maybe Gatti, who is playing really well right now. But, you know, back then, wasn't really kind of like a guy that gave you a lot of hope. Like, you really had only one center back and maybe one fullback, and you're thinking, okay, if we're going to play a 4-3-3, why don't we sign more guys to play that, right? So it just it feels to me like there's a disconnect between what they're trying to play, what they're, the team is quote-unquote built for, and what the coach ends up doing once he actually has the resources and like, okay, how can I play with these guys in, in the best possible way that I can play? So it just... And again, this might be the the fault of the coach. This might be the fault of the board. It might be 50-50. But it just seems insane to me that that this continues to happen. Like, I think if you're going to build a team to play a certain formation, you should be, you know, looking at that, being like, okay, let's play 4-3-3. We have no fullbacks and we have no center backs. How are we going to play that? (laughs) And I think that is something that that is a criticism, either of the coach or the board or both. I think that is a very, very legit criticism. How are they building this team? Because now we're in April and we still don't know what the best way of, for this team is to play the, the remaining couple of months. So it's just, it, it just, it really speaks to how poorly run and managed this club has been for the last three, four, five years. I don't know, because this continues to be like a thing. And I, I would just throw in there as well, that one center back, uh, Bremer, that you mentioned, Sergio, he is a center back who has not played much at all in a back four in Italy because Torino is very much a back three kind of team. And that's why we've seen Bremer's best games over these last, what, four or five months 
shoot, six months, whenever, I can't remember when exactly Allegri switched to the back three at this point, but ever since Bremer has, has basically become the man in the middle as Leonardo Bonucci has not played, that's when his best his best games because we we saw how he was kind of back and forth in terms of form those those opening weeks in a in a back four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just it, it feels like top to bottom, this wasn't a very well thought out team. It really wasn't. Wow. Like, a lot of talent, <laughs> a lot of talent, a lot of names, a lot of money being given to guys like Leandro Paredes, but just not you know just not a guy, not a team that made a lot of sense. Now now that I mean. I know hindsight 2020, but some issues were definitely present when, you know, when the season started, like the fullback issue. I remember very specifically thinking about the fullback issue in one of our, you know, season preview pods that this is going to be an issue. And now that we want to play that 4-3-3, it, it might be an issue. I will quote somebody who earlier today tweeted at the blog account during the Sassuolo loss that says, this team, and sorry, Couch, this team is a f***ing hodgepodge of random parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what does it say about the rest of Italy? The fact that we technically were second, well, I guess third. We'd be third, na- we'd be third now third if place, the... Yeah. If the if the appeal goes if the appeal goes through on Wednesday, yeah, we'd be third. So that that also is a kind of a strange situation too. <laughs> yeah, and and I think and and this can lead if if you guys want to the Sassuolo game, but it, you know it it really does. It left me thinking. I think I mentioned it in the previous pod about where or what are the expectations for this team, right? Like because sometimes it feels like we we demand of them like. I cannot believe that, you know, they they drew this game or they couldn't beat Inter or whatever. But I do think that when you look at it objectively, I don't think Juventus is a better team than Milan or that Inter or than Lazio. I think we're in that same level. I think we're a very comparable team to what, you know, to what they are, to what they have been doing this season. So it does feel like we are in that hodgepodge, you know, good, not great level of teams. And, you know, I know that's not the, the quote-unquote Juve standard, but I do think that's kind of like a fair representation of who this team is. A good but not great team with good players, but not a lot of great players. Arguably, just maybe a couple great players. And, you know, sometimes that that's how we play, and that's because that's who we are. And I think that's something that, just because of the shirt that, that Juventus wears, sometimes it's hard to comprehend, or, or we demand more of them. But... At the end of the day, that's who they've been this entire season. A good, but not really great team. And that's that's where they are. To quote Fabio Capello, who we've we've seen run out in commercials these past couple of weeks. Yeah, that's a weird-ass ad. It's coming back from the international <laughs> break. Calcio's back. Calcio's back. <laughs> oh, that's such a weird ad. But I was yes. going to say... <laughs> but I was going to say to... Um, in with Sergio, yes, I agree with you. However... This is a team that should be beating Sassuolo, especially when they don't have Domenico Berardi on the field. Yeah, let's transition into Sassuolo. I mean, we might as well <laughs> might as well rip that, rip that band band-aid off at this point. As I joked in the open, obviously Juventus's last couple of league matches have seen a whole lot of uh minutes racked up and when you're not exactly playing positive football. And I guess that's where the Paredes debate falls into as well. But at this point. I understand in one way Allegri trying to kind of conserve energy, knowing what they're coming off of 
and what they're about to experience in a few days. And that's just on the field, let alone what what's coming down in the courts. But man, I mean, and I, and I said it in my post game thread, you know, if you had your choice between trying to put a team away that has its best player sitting up in the stands with his son or basically doing what Juventus did, I would much rather choose door number one and try and put Sassuolo away early rather than the alternative. But then you look up that Juventus has scored 13 goals in 15 away league matches this season, and a third of that total has come in the form of two games in February. And it's just like, this can't this this team is its own worst enemy sometimes, I feel like. And yeah, fatigue is probably playing some kind of role into it, but at the same time, like Sam just said, it's saw solo without Domenico Berardi. You know, you can't necessarily just coast and expect a win in that in that case. You actually gotta go out and play a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it um the the Sassuolo game was um I mean, as we've mentioned multiple times, it was another missed opportunity. Given that like the gap with Top four, you know, without or sorry, with the fifteen point uh, deduction, is you know obviously still kind of sizable. But it's like we started to get this point where we're like, you know, hmm, maybe we could actually sneak into top four just through the, uh, I guess, regular route of you know, still assuming that we would still have the fifteen point deduction. Um, there's still that hope, and well, eh, I don't know, that's uh, dissipating pretty badly now. And yeah, I mean, it was just the same old same old same old stuff and in, in a way it's like it's strangely consoling how consistent Juve is in both victories and defeats like you know our defeats are always going to be basically the same that's that drab kind of you know barely created any chances and seemed like we just didn't maximize our resources you know we have Di Maria we have well Chiesa as well I mean obviously they were benched uh you know rested rather for uh this game but you know we have obviously the sore topic of Vlaovic who just you know can't catch a break for the last I mean month or two and I mean obviously has scored just a little trickle of goals here and there but that's obviously still you know the big the big conversation the elephant in the room but yeah it was just again it was just this strangely consistent type of defeat where you know yeah just the same type of performance and I don't know and I mean obviously against Sporting we played better but it it still just feels like it's always yeah, it's always the same. It's it, it makes me struggle to really find anything new to say because yeah, it was kind of like what was different from it than how we usually kind of trickle into defeat. I think the 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 big thing for me is that you know a manager's job at the end of the day is to make a team a a whole that is better than the sum of its parts, or at the very least, even with the sum of its parts. And I know we were talking about that before, but as flawed as this roster is, there is lots of talent in it. And the way Allegri plays, this team is very much less than the sum of those parts. You know, you've got a, you've got Angel Di Maria and Federico Chiesa that you can bring in off the bench, that you can choose to bring in off the bench if you want to, but there's nothing really for them to do because all this, and, and I, I got into this in my recap, you know, or before the, the first game against Sporting, Paulo Souza, who's uh, the coach of Salernitana, 
was interviewed by a uh, an outlet in his native Portugal and and asked who you know who he thought would win that tie. Sousa, obviously a former Juventus player, obviously is Portuguese, and he said that he thought Sporting would have an easy time of it because Allegri just you know coasts by and lets and hopes that individual talent creates big moments as opposed to having an actual plan and a and and system and and having the team kind of come together as a team and allegri got really pissed at that comment but guess what max he's not wrong this is what you've been and i've said this about allegri so much it didn't used to be you used to see these you know the, the team that he brought to the final in berlin against barcelona were the ultimate overachievers. That was that team was absolutely the you know far and above the the pieces that were that it, that it was, and those weren't insignificant pieces. But they still beat a bunch of teams that were on a higher level than them, and almost beat Barcelona. The you know the 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 sixteen seventeen team that went to Cardiff again. It it was a good team. It was a good group of guys. He just, he he stumbles upon that four two three one. And they shot into the stratosphere for the majority of the second half of the season. He knows he knows how to do this. This is in him somewhere. But ever since that Cardiff loss, he has just been so timid about making it happen that all you see, and this, you know, this goes from the from his last season with the team on in, in, in his first tenure, it's just been a bunch of guys out there doing their thing and being talented footballers. And hopefully that turns into something good. And that doesn't cut it in this day and age. And when you've got a team that is lesser talent from a talent perspective, but knows what they're doing and plays together as a team, this, this game against Sassuolo maybe isn't the best example of that because Sassuolo was just as crappy as, as we, as Juve was at least in the first half. I literally, spent one paragraph on the first half in but my there, recap. There was nothing to talk about. There were no there shots was nothing on goal. To talk about. No shots there on goal. No sh- yeah, no. But we've seen this in other games where a team that is not as talented as Juventus but plays together or is at a at a, about at the level of Juve like Lazio last week and plays the, you know, and, and plays to the, to a you know, plays as a team, knows what they're doing, knows what each other will be doing. They come out on top because they have that little bit extra. They are more than the sum of their parts when they go out on the field against us. And Juventus hasn't been that for a long time under Max Allegri. And and that, more than anything else, is why I would love to see him replaced at the end of this season, especially against a team like, you know, like this Sassuolo team that we were playing today. You've got to find a way to make that happen. There's the, the the funny thing is if I look right now the you know when you Google a game and it gives you like a snapshot or like a like a sort of general idea of what happened uh, and it gives you highlights. It's three highlights. One, it's uh, the teams coming out of the tunnel, which is one minute. <laughs> then the goal, which is another minute. And then the recap, which is five minutes, which I'm assuming it includes the previous. So there's really like three minutes 
of things that happened overall in the game. So it, it definitely wasn't a, a, a very good showcase of football for sure. It's not the game that I would tell people, hey, you're not into football, check this out. Like, I get it. It, it was a really bad game, I think, on both sides. And and yeah, I agree 100%. I think Juventus should be most of the time beating Sassuolo. But at this point, it's I do think, you know, obviously burnout I talked about is my biggest takeaway because like you saw it, like I think Napoli should be bid at Hellas Verona easily and they didn't because you know i think it's rotation i think it's schedule specifically talking about this game just this game against us well in general i do think that at this point in the season at this point in the discourse whatever happens with max Allegri moving forward is going to have to be results-based it, it is going to have to be results-based i think if we're sitting here in june and max Allegri brought home the europa league and the coppa italia he stays. He stays and he deserves to stay. If he doesn't, then we can talk about what's what's good and what's you know best for the future of Juventus. But at this point, like I said, I do think, you know, Sam, you said like they should be better than some of its parts. If you know, if you take away the 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 penalty, like you guys said, we're third place. I don't think that we are a lot better than that. I really don't. I don't think we're as good as Napoli. Like, not even close. I don't think we're as good as a team that should really be challenging for a title. I think we're just as good as Lazio, as Roma, as Milan. I I do think that we're not better than that. Like, when you look at the players, there's a lot of names. There's a lot of money there. There's a lot of guys that don't perform consistently. And and I don't think we're better than those teams. I really don't. And, And, of course, there's a lot of bad performances. The style of play, like I said, like the style of play is the style of play. And that style of play only works if you're winning. So if they can grind out one nil wins all the way to the Europa League title, you know, you can't argue results that way. But I think that is that is going to be the, the crux of the issue. If those results, if that way of playing delivers trophies, great. I think if they don't, I think at that point... You know, you can say, well, we're not playing good. Let's let's change managers and let's switch. But I think at this point, it, it's just about results. I think we've, we've said everything we needed to say about Max. He is who he is, and he's going to continue to be that way. The only things I do disagree is I don't think we, if you put in another manager, would be a lot better. I don't. I do think we're in that middle ground. I do not think we're significantly better than Lazio. I do not think we're significantly better than Roma or Milan or Inter. We're in that sort of group. That's like flawed. That's good players, but flawed and and can have good days and look very good some days, but it can also look bad some other ones and and can get can lose against the Monsas, can lose against the Sassuolos of the world. It happens. I do think we are that level of of team, and I don't think any other coach would significantly overperform that. I, I really don't. I disagree with you in that. Okay, okay. Are we better than Napoli right now? Probably not. Are we better Definitely than <laughs> are are we better than the Monzas and the Maccabi Haifas? Oh no, no, for sure. The world? For sure. Yes. For sure. And for that's sure. where we and that's where this problem hits. Because when because the way Allegri coaches, and this is why I say, first off, clearly Juventus has made it very clear by precedent that trophies are not the be all and end all because Maurizio Sarri won the scudetto and then got fired. But the way that you know So did so did Andre Pirlo. So, and uh, yeah, Andrea Pirlo won two trophies and got fired. And you've got, when you're looking at the way that this team, this team has not improved in two years. This team has stayed on a steady plateau 
with serious with like fissures in it and then it gets back to the plateau level and then it drops down again there has you cannot tell me that there has been a time where this team has been has has improved under max allegri regardless of its talent level so you you when you see when you go two years stagnant sometimes the results don't really matter because if the team has, we said this at the beginning of the year, one of the things we wanted to see out of the team was that it was getting better. It's not. And that is on Allegri. At the end of the day, you have to put that on the coach. No, I, I agree 100%. And, and like you said, I do think we're better than the Maccabis. I do think we're better than the Swallows. There's, there's a lot of things to criticize for sure. But I do think that... This team is, like you said, it's not better than Napoli. We're not challenging for the Scudetto this year. This team, you know, could have performed better in the Champions League. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, I do think that winning matters. And Sarri getting fired, I think that was an off-the-field situation. I think that was a locker room situation. I wouldn't have fired I agree the guy, with you there. me personally. I think that was like an off-the-field situation. And for Andrea Pirlo, I don't think, like I think we talked about it, he probably shouldn't have been fired either because at the end of the day, Sure, we can talk about, you know, process and, and whether or not the team looks good and whether or not it, quote unquote, is playing better. But at the end of the day, I do think results matter. And if those results end up with Juventus lifting their first European trophy in like 30 years, I do think you have to keep the coach that gave you that, at least for another year, for sure, 100%. It doesn't matter if you're playing ugly or not. You know, I think those results speak for themselves. If you do that, and I'm talking way, way ahead because right now they're in the quarterfinals they could very easily get knocked out by Sporting. And if they get knocked out by Sporting and they're most likely finishing out of the European spots in, in Serie A, I think Max Allegri should be good as gone. And if he's not gone, it's probably a money thing. But other than that, like the results, they it should be enough to get rid of him, to, to say this is not going anywhere. But if those, th that's what I was saying. I think right now, the entire crux of Allegri's stint it, it is on whether or not he wins. That's it. Like, if he wins, you keep him. If he doesn't, I think he's gone. And, and obviously, there are going to be bad matches. Like I said, that's a swallow match, bad match. But, you know, every team is going to have bad matches. I think it really is when that season is over. What did you win? What didn't you win? What progress did you make? I think, for example, you know, we say, like, are, they, are these guys better? I do think there's a lot of players who are much, much better under Allegri. A lot of the young guys, I do think that growth has to come down to coaching, has to come down to, you know, playing under Max Allegri. I do think he bears a lot of, you know, of the of the credit for developing all the young players that have played. Just quick shout out, you know, Tommaso Barbieri played well. I thought he played well today. I thought he was pretty good, you know, for a guy making his first start. Pretty decent match, I think, I thought overall. Um I think he deserves some credit for that. I think he deserves some credit for, for Gatti, for Danilo, for Adrian Ravio, contract year Adrian Ravio. Like, <laughs> I do think there's a lot of good players that have developed under him. And at the end of the day, it's going to be results. If we are here sitting in June and Juve won Jack and we're out of Europe, yeah, you fire him because you have to, because you can't go two years without winning anything and being out of Europe, you know, sanctions or not. Like that's just unacceptable. But if we're in June and you won trophies and, you know, you can show some progress, at least in the young guys, at least in a lot of players, I think you do give him another year. That, that's, you know, that's my take. Because, like I said, I don't think this team is a Scudetto challenging team. Not with Max Allegri, not with 
any coach. I don't think we're a Scudetto challenging team. So, you know, if you can come away with a couple trophies, kind of sneak into a Champions League through the back door with a penalty, that's that's a pretty decent season, all things considered. And we're going to forget about, you know, a crappy rotation heavy game against Sassuolo. I really do think that. Tune in to forthcoming uh, blogs on the post to see uh, Sam Sam Lepresti's reaction, a screenshot from Sam Lepresti's reaction if when Sergio said uh, Max Legri could get another year. And secondly, uh, can we all agree that we just want to give Nicolo Fagioli a hug? I yeah, yeah. I <laughs> I I don't like watching my my large adult son cry. <laughs> but also just or your the, small adult son, small adult son, or, cry. or, or my small child, or my small actual son. That that yeah. that too. It's like this. It's that. It's like that Nicki Minaj songs. You know, all these. This is my sons. You know, <laughs> all these. Sorry, sorry. There's lots of cuss words this episode. Hey, you got you got to get one one musical lyric in there. <laughs> we've all. I mean, and and we've all we've all had to find different large adult sons over the last year because yeah, you know been a lot of we all lost them. And but Fajoli is def. I, I claim Fajoli. Uh, <laughs> but the thing that I love the most loved, but I didn't love it. But like the thing that that I found the most interesting about that moment was Carlo Pinsolio like basically just holding him yeah. <laughs> while he while he was crying and I, that, I thought that's that, bench dad right there. Yeah so. that that's that's tells you the, the locker room presence that he does have and it's and it's interesting that when Perin and Chesney were talking to the media after the sporting game and you know Chesney was like yeah I'm okay you know Mattia was great both of them mentioned Pinsolio unbidden so he, you know, that 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 shows you the 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 kind of the leadership and and glue that he provides behind the scenes, and I really liked that. It, it was, and and I think, you know, like you said in your in your post game, Danny, that's that was the reaction of a guy who cares that much about Juventus, and is upset that he that he didn't manage it. You know, as upset at what he did. I kind of wanted to punch the screen a little bit at the kind of machismo that was going through the the commentators on CBS about yeah, that, that was a little annoying. That was that that was stupid. And okay, boomer. <laughs> if Nicola Fagioli cares about Juventus and shows the and shows emotion while doing it, why is that a bad thing? But yeah, it, it was it showed just how much he does care. And, you know, we kind of don't have a lot of that right now. Yep. You know, we are in a gap when it comes to the Juventinita and, 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 and the leadership. But, yeah, it, it's, you know, to see that, that, that tells me that he can, that, that Fagioli could come into that gap and be part of filling it soon. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I just, you know, it was just a swallow game, kid. Like, just, you know. Take your head up. Not didn't lose the Champions League final. I'm sure that you know he's he's gonna bounce back. He's gonna learn from that, and then he's gonna get better. It does. It is insane to me that you know the the pressure that his guys are under. That you know he felt that a mistake in in a game you know just brought him that much pressure. I thought it was it was insane. But that that's the type of thing I don't think Oz's fans realize it. That you know yes, like we can have a bad day at the office. I, God knows I've had a bunch. But if I screw up, like it's not, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions of people watching me screw up, you know, in, in international TV. And it definitely, you know, it, it gave me 
you know, it, it, it just it made it real. You know, they are at the end of the day, they're human beings and, you know, they carry that pressure and they carry those expectations, especially a guy that's been in the youth system forever. And he's finally getting big minutes. He's finally getting a shot. He's performing really well. And then he screws up like, you know, I can't imagine that the pressure, you know, it, it has to be huge on his shoulder. So as everything with these young guys, it has to be a, a building, a learning experience. And, you know, it, I fully expect expect him to come back and, and you know, keep keep playing well. Like he has been playing pretty much all season. As Chuck's like to say, these are humans, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they are. And yeah, I've been, uh, you know, banging that drum pretty often and, uh, really, just from the perspective of you know, it's it it really is going to crack their mental health like over time. Uh, this type of pressure and you know, these types of expectations and uh, the scrutiny that they go through, you know, on a weekly, daily basis, I guess, is pretty intense. So uh, yeah, I don't envy the job. <laughs> All right, well, let's transition into a couple of Twitter questions before we wrap things up for this week. First one from at Miguel Garza eighty five. If Philip Costage has been terrible for the last four games, why not try Samuel Illing Jr.? I assume that means against Sassuolo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's weird, too, because Costage was like a, a... Costage was a very mixed bag today. He was actually, I think, a little more positive than he's been the last couple of games today. That's not to say he was perfect by any stretch of the imagination. He, com- he completed less than 50% of his passes. Yeah, that wasn't good. But he also had three key passes. And like created more opportunities than anybody else on the team. So I don't, so I don't know. As for why he's not trying out Samuel Illing Jr., I know that Illing Jr. just had some pretty significant minutes on the next gen for the Coppa Italia Serie C. That might be one reason, uh, because he's been playing significant minutes on, uh, on the next gen. And so he can't, he's not really, you have to manage that that workload you can't like have him play a huge a huge city C game and then and, and then add that add to that the senior team minutes um i hope that's the only reason why because there is no other reason why illing is good he has shown himself to be good he's maybe not exactly the prototypical wing back he's very much more of a winger we've mentioned that before but he deserves to be playing more and seeing that time. Yeah, he, uh, I don't think he's been terrible, terrible per se, like the last four, four games. I think it's just that his, the bar that he set just based on, you know, the start to the season or just the season that he's had, the bar that he set has been so high that, you know, kind of just going down a little bit makes it seem i i think that contrast makes it seem that he's like really terrible but i think he's just been so good throughout you know most of the season that yeah just this kind of drop in his performance which is probably also due to the minutes he's played i mean he's played god lord knows how many um a lot i can't look yeah i mean he i'm sure him and danilo are up there in like you know top two top three minutes uh played for the team so lord knows he's probably tired you know so um, as far as I know, he's had less rest than Danilo. I mean, I know Danilo had that one game off. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's that too. But, yeah, I don't think he's been, you know, absolutely terrible. But, I mean, definitely a drop in performance. And, you know, he might just need a break. Yep. Kostic is the third most minutes on the team. Ah, third. That's close. Danilo, Bremer, Kostic, Rabiot. This is league minutes, not counting ah, okay. Europe. 
not counting Europe, there's Danilo Bremer, Kostic, Rabio, Locatelli, Chesney, Vlaovic, Sandro, Quadrado, and Fagioli. Those are the top 10. Wow, Fagioli. All right, next question here from at some lawyer. And uh, we'll throw it to <laughs> we'll throw it to Sergio first. Mine? <laughs> no, no, not yours, Chuck. <laughs> why not? Since it kind of comes back to what Sergio was talking about earlier, why not press higher up the pitch? Bremer, Danilo, Gatti can cover much more ground than the past defenses. It it would also put less pressure on the on the midfield since bad passes wouldn't be uh, deep in Juve's half and give Dusan uh, the ball. Close to the goal. What am I missing here? Sergio, is Mr. Lawyer missing anything? Yeah, I don't know. You know, pressing is, to me, is always interesting because, and you see it, that's the clearest example, I think, is in basketball, especially we saw it a bunch in, in, you know, college basketball when, you know, teams just press a whole bunch and force mistakes. And it seems like, hey, why doesn't every team do this? And it's because, well, in my opinion, rather shortly limited experience is that, you know, it, it involves a lot of energy. It expands a lot of energy. Like pressing is not an easy thing to do. And it's certainly not something that you can do 90 minutes of the time. I think in general, I do think this team should press more, should be more aggressive. I think we all agree on that. But, you know, usually teams who press, we've seen it a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of times. They press, they get tired. And in the last 30 minutes or so, they're, you know, they're prone to getting picked off. And I know this because uh, my beloved Puebla FC used to play like that the last couple of years. And it was very, very often that that exact same thing would happen. They would go pedal to the metal for like 60 minutes and then just get completely burned out and just be sitting ducks for like 30 minutes because, you know, we were saying these guys are human beings. They're human beings in the sense that they get tired too. And, you know, especially you have guys that I don't think are, particularly great at pressing like your uh angel di maria's like your juan cuadrados who has absolutely no legs whatsoever left in his game so i do think this team is not perfectly suited for that but i do think they should you know press a little bit more i don't think that's a bad idea in general it's just you know it's not something you're going to be able to do for 90 minutes I, i think that's pretty hard to do and i don't think it's the profile of a team of juventus to do it but in general, I think just you know another another weapon in the arsenal, and I think if deployed deployed correctly against you know certain teams, could be should be very effective. And just to uh, add to that a little bit, one coach that comes to mind who has that same thing of just you know full throttle with his teams was uh, Marcelo Bielsa. He had that a lot with his teams, where indeed they would press. I mean, full on, just you know, really, especially with Chile and stuff. You know, really, really go full at it and then just burn out, just like, you know, just crash. And and with, I think with Bil- Athletic Bilbao, yeah, kind of the same thing. And, and just with his teams in general, they'll have that in within games, and men, but then especially throughout seasons where start of the season, they would just, you know, be on fire. And then you could just see them slowly kind of burn out. So it is a very physically intense style of play. So, you know, you can understand, uh, yeah that and i think that it, it's interesting in that the best games that we have had this year we've kind of selectively pressed but we haven't done that press up high we've done that press sort of closer to the midfield line and kind of and it's it basically cut down the distance that we've had to go on the counter as opposed to trying to press up right up against the the opponent's box all the time with a high line the way that 
you know, the way that Saudi would have wanted. But I, I think if you if you press selectively, then yeah, like 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 you guys said, that that's a weapon, and that's something that we should use. It's just that Allegri too often plays passive as opposed to active, and we get, you know, we get the we get those those periods of game of game where you know for 20, 30 minutes we're just getting you know, we're just repelling attack after attack after attack because we we get passive and we let the other team do what they want to do with the ball. All right, next question here from at uno underscore Coreto. Very long-winded question, so let me take a breath here first real quick. Allegri out, Deserby in? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, you said that one up. Um, if Deserby is willing, honest to God, if Deserby is willing to leave Brighton and come to Juventus, that is a best case scenario for me. I, I think that Deserbi would be a good coach for this team. I think he would be able to take this talent. The things that he has done with teams that do not have as much talent as this team does. And I mean, yes, we would have to fix the fullback issues next year. Hopefully, I think Andrea Cambiaso will partially fix the at least the left back spot. He'd at least be a body. I, I I think he'd be I think based on the what he's been doing with Bologna this year I think he'll be more than the body I think he'll be a very good I think he's he's turning into a very good Serie A player I think but with Deserbi you know if you give him this kind of talent and a couple more fullbacks I think we could really see a good team next year precisely because he does he is kind of the the opposite of what Max does he actually you know he has a thing that he wants his players to do and then they go do it. And, you know, he's he's coached teams that are, you know, average to almost bad, but have had, you know, individually really excellent guys like, you know, he had Berardi at Sassuolo. He's got Alexis McAllister at Brighton and and he takes that and he's taken those teams and he's risen them up. So, yeah, I, I would I would take Deserbi in five seconds. But I the thing is, he probably gets paid a lot more in England right now than than Juventus is probably able to match. Yeah, that and also he's he's such a like hot commodity now. I mean, that's that's a problem of like coaching in the Premier League and such a highly visible, you know, league. And I mean, probably the most popular one. If you succeed, I mean, everybody's watching, you know, and everybody's going to be, you know, excited about it. So it's it's not exactly a secret <laughs> right now, and that indeed that makes your uh, makes your price tag go up uh, quite substantially. So realistically speaking, I just we would have to move move mountains to make that happen. Plus, I mean, we have a leggy right now, obviously, and you know he's under pretty substantial contract. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, pretty sure we would have to pay him off quite a bit to like cancel that contract and yes, get the Zami in, who would cost also quite a bit. So yeah, realistically, it just uh, the math doesn't quite add up. You think that if Carlo Ancelotti uh, leaves to go coach? Brazil that uh, Real Madrid will take them off our hands. <laughs> How about Chelsea? Uh, no. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, come, on, yeah, come on, Todd. Yeah, from, one, yeah. from one American to another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Help a brother out. That's right. Yeah. All right. Since uh, it's fa- it's Chuck's favorite kind of question, we'll wrap things up on this one from at Diego R. Naranjo. Hi, guys. The next 10 days look very decisive and crucial for our season. Sporting, Napoli, and Inter in the Copa. What are your predictions for those three games based on what we've seen lately? Chucks, what are your predictions since you love predictions? 
Oh, I, I, I do love them. If uh, if I were good at them, I would be uh, a little more, uh, a little richer than I am today. Right. We um, but <laughs> in terms of sporting, I'm actually strangely optimistic. They tied today in their game, and only thanks to a 83rd minute penalty equalizer at home as well. So yeah, I'm a little. Uh, I'm actually strangely optimistic about that one. They just, I mean, they had chance after chance, and they were just so wasteful. Five shots on target, eleven shots off target, but. Yeah, I think we I think we'll concede in that one, but I think we'll scrape out a draw, like a one-one draw or so in that game, and yeah, progress. Uh, what is that then? Two-one on aggregate. So yeah, strangely uh, optimistic for that one. Um, but Napoli, um, yeah, it depends how much they're going to be, I guess, tired from their own massive challenge against uh, Milan in the Champions League, and frankly, how bothered they even are in the league. I mean, at this point. They have what, or well, we all have eight games remaining. It's a 14, 14 point lead. I mean, that's that means what they need to win like four games or something, three or four games, something like that. I mean, it really, really depends on how bothered they are to going into that game. I think it'll, yeah, I think it'll be a draw as well, one one or two two draw or something like that. And then Inter, um, I think we'll uh, we'll, we'll beat them. We'll beat them. Go on. <laughs> Oh, we got him. Uh, no, I'm I'm really not that convinced by Inter. I mean, God, I, it it drives me nuts. I, I said this in the Slack channel. It drives me mad that like a team is like just bang average as them. They're almost going to be in the semifinals of the Champions League. Just really drives me mad because Calcio is back. Yeah, Calcio is back. <laughs> but no, I I think we can we can beat them it, again. It won't be. I mean, we never really have big score lines, so you know, it'll be like a one 0 or something or two one or something like that. Okay, so I, I think we can scrape out a draw against Sporting, although I would be much, 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 much happier if we managed to score a goal early. And instead of, like, you know, the potential of them evening up the aggregate and us having to chase the tie. I thought it, I thought you were going to say instead of what, what actually is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um <laughs> But I, I think we can draw that game. Uh, I have zero hopes for the Napoli game. I'm I'm fully expecting to lose that one. You know, if they come if they come in exa- they might come in exhausted from the Champions League. We're going to come in exhausted from Sporting, no question. Unless, it's, like Sergio said early on, you know, unless Sporting get another, you know, unless we get the benefit of another sending off early, early, and then we can just kind of, you know, hopefully they give us a decent ref for that, and not this that that idiot that 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 dude was not good that we got uh, in the first leg. What is it about Turkish refs? They're never good. Would you prefer English? Uh, uh, <laughs> there are a couple English refs that I'm okay with, just not you-know-who. Not Schmeichel Schmoliver? Yeah. That, uh, God. Why, they, why people still let him anywhere near high-profile games is beyond my comprehension. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not expecting the, the Napoli game to be much of anything. The the inter game is going to be interesting because I think we're both kind of on the on the down in in form right now. I do think we can win that game, but it it'll be close. I think that we could win that game, but it also wouldn't surprise me if we end up in extra time as well. Yeah, I will say draw Sporting, loss Napoli, win over Inter in extra time and or penal or penalty kicks. So. A tired team will be even more tired a couple weeks from now. God. 
So what do we play after Enter? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hold on. No, now I, I don't know. To, now I need to check. I don't out. know. It, I think it's. I want to say Bologna. That's not necessarily a respite the way that they're playing right now. Yeah, I know. You're right. You're right. It is Bologna. Tiago Motta's Bologna. <laughs> like I said, we really yeah. don't have any easy games left for the rest no. of the season. No. I mean, we got of the of the games we have left in the season, the ones that I would consider easy would be Lecce, Cremonese, and Empoli. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Then you've got the other one. Okay, so Bologna, that's going to be tricky. Then you've got Lecce. You've got Atalanta. And that's that weird that that's going to be a crazy, especially if you get the points back. Yeah. That's going to be a crazy because I I, me- I remember mentioning this at the very beginning of the season. That week, all of the top eight teams are playing each other. Yep. So that's going to be really nuts. And note, this is a schedule without any future Europa League games potentially in there. Right. As well. That too. And then you've got the, yeah for so just the league run in is Bologna, then Lecce at home. Atalanta away, Cremonese at home, Empoli away, Milan at home, Udinese away. Those are the last eight games. Fun. Or six games. Giddy up, as the great Cosmo Kramer would say. <laughs> That's seven right. games after the, Sorry. yeah, it's it's seven games after the Napoli game, which we all expect to lose. <laughs> well, we we will be here for all of that and, and then some. Uh, so... Uh, f- stick with us, and we will hopefully provide at least some entertainment, which during which we hope is some at least successful times. Geez, that that is one hell of a way to close a podcast. So let me just <laughs> say thank you for <laughs> let me just say thank you for the Twitter questions. We always appreciate them. Uh, feel free to uh, follow us on the Twitter machine. Follow the Fans First Sports Network on Twitter at Fans First SN. Uh, send us Twitter questions on the Twitter machine at Juventus Nation, and follow us there. Uh, as well as on Facebook and Instagram, uh, as well as your favorite podcasting platform. Just search The Old Lady Speaks Podcast, and we will be the first thing that pops up. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a nice rating and a review. We always appreciate those. So for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio, and for Producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you.